Matthew chapter 22. Now I know in, in my life, uh, there have been many times where I wanted to follow Christ. I wanted to follow him uh, closely. I wanted to, uh, uh, to do exactly what he wants. But there have been other times where I have struggled with this as well. I've struggled uh, uh, doing what was right. I've struggled uh, being where I'm supposed to be and, and acting the way I'm supposed to act. I've, I've struggled with these things. I don't know if, if I'm the only one, I, but I, I don't think that I am. Now, the question uh, I, I really, I really don't, uh, don't question my desire when it comes to the big things. Uh, I don't know about you. I, 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 you know, if, if someone said choose Christ or die, I would choose death. I would go ahead and welcome that willingly because I will not renounce my Christ. I, I, I don't really question uh, my ideas as far as that's concerned. I, I'm, I'm not really questioning any of that. But in, in, in the sense of, you know, someone asking, are you pro-life, pro-choice? I have no problem really standing on the big things because I believe God has a, a love and respect and honors life. I believe we, his children, should as well. So I really don't have a problem standing on those large things. Uh, God values life. I'm going to value life. Uh, the times that I find it difficult, however, is when he calls me to trust him, in those times, I don't necessarily see what he's doing. I don't necessarily see the end result. Uh, there's a quote in C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity I wanted to read to you before we get started here. He says this, Imagine yourself as a living house. You, you are a house. Now, some of you may be going back to the old, old gospel song, This Old House, right? This old house is getting leaky. This old house is getting old. <laughs> This old house lets in the rain. This old house lets in the cold. Well, he says, imagine yourself as a house. And God comes to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts, uh, abominably hurts. And he does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wiring here, putting in an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to still be that decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. So he intends to come and live in that palace himself. You see, we, we understand and we're ready and we're willing for God to come in and do these different things. And it's, it's not difficult for us to trust him in the large things, but sometimes it's difficult for us to trust him in the small things. Stand with me if you would. Matthew chapter 22. And if you're a Bible student, you may be wondering why I'm connecting verses 1 all the way through 22, but trust me, I've got my reasoning. We're only going to read while we're standing here verses 15 through 22. Look with me if you would, starting in verse 15. When the Pharisees took counsel, how they might entangle him in his talk, and they sent out unto, and they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master... We know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. 
Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Wouldn't you like to be able to just say that sometimes? <laughs> you hypocrite. <laughs> Most people would get slapped today if we did that. But He says, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. They brought unto him a penny. He said unto them, Whose is the image and superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, when it's, when it's such a large issue, uh, most professing Christians will unanimously say we have decided to follow Jesus. However, the difficulty comes in at the minor things in life. Uh, this is when, we, uh, when it's really not easy or, or cut and dry for us. The time, uh, the time when things are just, uh, just kind of going so-so. Things aren't bad. Things aren't, aren't difficult. For example, when God's Word tells us to study, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. When God's Word tells us to do this, it's not a when you're going through difficult times, when you're troubled in your spirit, study the Word of God. It's study the Word of God. In the good days, in the bad days, in the mediocre days. And so the question really that, that comes down to uh, uh, things of, uh, uh, of difficulty, I don't think it's really the big things that really bothers us. It's the small, mundane minutia that we really get pulled off to the side with. You know, people will say things like, well, studying's not for me, or well, I just don't enjoy those kind of things. Beloved, life ceases to be about you and me when we become citizens of the kingdom of God. I'm afraid that in today's day and time, we have many people claiming the name of Christ who will not live for that name. They, they're happy to say, I'm a Christian, when we're talking about when you die, when you leave this world, are you going to go to heaven or are you going to go to hell? They're happy to say, yes, I, I, I'm that, that's me, I'm, I'm one of those that are going to heaven. But when it's simply this, are you willing to follow Jesus when he says, forgive, and you shall be forgiven? Are you willing to follow Jesus when he says, to love your neighbor as yourself? Are you willing to follow Jesus when he says, to do unto others? Are you willing to follow Jesus when he says, to bless those that person? you, And we say, well, that part of it, I'm not really, well, then how dare we claim the name of Christ? You see, if someone tells us, well, you can't say Merry Christmas, you know, we'll get up in arms. Well, how dare you take Christ out of Christmas? But if we're honest, we have taken him out of so many parts of our life in many worse ways. I want to ask this question to kind of start us off this morning. Am I making little of the calling of Jesus in my life? And this is what I want you to start with this morning. I want you asking yourself, are you making little of the call of Jesus? Let's take a look because this specific portion of Scripture that we, were, we just read, verses 15 through 22 does come right after another interesting portion of Scripture. 
Now, Luke uh, uh, puts these two portions, these two situations in differing areas. I understand that. I'm not necessarily saying that immediately following uh, verse 14 is when verse 15 took place. I understand all of that. But I don't think God's word is put in certain places for no purpose. I believe that there's a purpose that's involved. Even if it looks like this is kind of stuck in and these two stories are just kind of grouped together, I believe that they're coupled uh, for a very specific purpose. I believe Matthew wanted us to understand something that we so often overlook. You see, we begin uh, this portion of Scripture here, and if we're not cautious when we look at Scripture, we put the wrong emphasis on the incorrect syllable. And so a couple of you grammarians may, uh, may understand what I just said. Some of you are still scratching your head, and you'll need your wife to explain that later. We put the wrong emphasis on the incorrect syllable. What happens so often is we look at a passage such as this, and we miss the heart of it because we emphasize the wrong portions. In this passage here, verses 15 through 22, a lot of times we, we get many good lessons. Should I pay my taxes? If you don't like jail time, the answer is yes. If you are going to be obedient to those who have been placed in authority over you, yes. We can learn a lot of different things from this passage, paying your taxes, obeying those in authority, uh, a submission, um, uh, you know, the, being an upstanding citizen, uh, honor the government as is fitting in the Lord. So before come, someone comes up and challenges me on that, no, as long as the government is not saying to go against the Bible and God, you honor them. And that's biblical. And I'm happy to be corrected from the word of God. Don't give me your opinion. But there's a broader understanding of this. Many people will even go into this and say, okay, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and under God the things that are God. And so they start teaching on tithing principles. But we want to see why Jesus gives this statement. We want to see the broader application to what we're seeing in this. Uh, because there's, there's a change that should take place in all of us at the moment of salvation. But it should also be a continual thing for us. So we are justified at the moment of salvation, but we are being sanctified the rest of our life. And so whenever we come to passages uh, such as this, we need to understand that God is not finished working on you. When you got saved 85 years ago, that was not the end of your sanctification journey. And it's not up to us to say, I've been there, I've learned that, now let's move on. It's, I'm learning this. That's what we ought to do. We ought to crave those times. And so let's look at what we can find with this as we look back at the previous section, starting in verse number 1. Look at, at Matthew 22 and verse number 1. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that they were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. If you mark in your Bible and you want to know a good spot to mark, it's that phrase right there. They made light of it. And went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. 
And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he unto his servants, the wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered uh, together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding, uh, the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Now notice this. Then he then said the king unto the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. This is one of those uh, parables that Jesus tells where it's like, all right, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. What in the world just happened? Okay, so let's get the setting. The kingdom of heaven is like, okay, so now we understand we're speaking in metaphor, and, and Jesus says, here's, here's a king, and he's preparing a big feast to celebrate his son's marriage. And he invites all the nobles, all the people that he wanted to be there, he invites all these different guests to come and celebrate his son's marriage. And then when it came time for the party, no one wanted to come. They said, I got more things to do. I got work to do. I've got, I've got my family to go home to. I, and, and some of them, they didn't even just make up an excuse. They just hit the person that brought them the message. You know, I don't want to come. I mean, here's the king getting ready to celebrate the prince's marriage. And he's inviting these people to come. I don't know about you, but if you, anybody ever gets invited to the palace these days, have you ever been invited to the king's house to sit down? I mean, I'm here to tell you, chubby people, we know where the good food is. And it's probably going to be at the palace. They ain't serving chicken. It's Cornish game hens. I mean, they're going to bring it. And it's not just going to be, you know, here's the casserole. No, no, no. They're going to be serving lamb chops. They're going to have the best of the best. Man, you don't want to go? Pass the ticket. I'll take your place. My wife will be excited about the opportunity. To... You mean we get to go meet them? The royal family. We get opportunity to get dressed up. She'll make me wear a tux probably. And she'll give me one of those little bow ties even. And I'll say, I'm too fat for a bow tie. And she'll say, it's okay. We'll put a cover bun on. I'm still too fat for a bow tie. We'll put a vest on. She'll figure out a way to make sure I'm in a bow tie. And we, this is what it was. And the people didn't want to go. It says in verse number five, they made light of it. Not a big deal. Not really a big thing. I mean, I really don't care. It's not... It's not anything that I should be worried about. It's not anything that I really want to go to. I've got better things to be doing. Uh, they had all their different reasons for it. But the celebration was a wonderful celebration. And the invitation was sent out. 
to the best of the best. The king, I'm sure, uh, probably invited the prince's closest friends, relatives, anyone that was important, imagine for just a moment. But they rejected it. They rejected it. And he said, well, go invite some other ones then. Now, I want to look at that rejection for just a minute. That verse number five just kind of jumps off the page at me. They made light of an invitation to have dinner to celebrate the prince of the kingdom. They rejected it. They made light of it. Not a big deal. Well, let's look at a few of the things that they made light of specifically. In making light of it, what is the it that they were making light of? Well, first, those who rejected were making light of the sun. They were making light of the sun. Those who truly see the greatness and goodness of our Lord will not reject the invitation to celebrate the sun. This is the celebration that we're talking about. They were celebrating the very son of God. This is the kingdom of heaven is like. So I'm taking this story and I'm going to apply it to where Jesus is talking about. God, the king, invited people to celebrate the prince's wedding. That would be Jesus. And because they didn't think it was any big deal, they must not have cared about the sun. You ever thrown a party and no one came? We've done that before. I don't know about you, but I've thrown a party. I mean, we, and when I throw a party, I already told you I like food. Ain't nobody going hungry at my party. And we had all that food sitting out and ready to go. My wife is looking at me going, that is way too much food. Like, nah, it'll be okay. I'd rather have too much food than not enough food. Nobody shows up. You're just kind of wondering to yourself, um, reckon why they didn't want to come. You ever been there? I wonder why they didn't want to come. Is it me? You see, the people that were invited were invited for a specific purpose, to celebrate the sun. Whenever we reject the invitation to salvation, we're rejecting Jesus. Whenever we are rejecting the invitation to spend time with our Savior, we're rejecting Jesus. Whenever we get up, you know, we, we plan to get up early tomorrow so that we can spend time in his word, but then the alarm clock goes off and, and we say, eh, I'm just going to roll over. Or we go downstairs and instead of uh, spending time with Jesus, we start checking our Facebook status. Right? Let's see what's on Twitter. You know what we've done? We haven't just rejected time in the word. We have rejected the son. He was not as important as that Facebook status. Did anybody laugh at my Instagram post yesterday? Oh, man. Did you spend time with the Lord yesterday? See, there's an invitation that's sent out. You see, the problem with this is no desire to spend time in prayer, no desire to spend time in the Word. And I've had people ask me, how can Christians not want to do that? The answer is simple. They have made light of it. They've made light of the sun. Ask yourself this morning, are you making light of the calling of God in your life? The call of God is, is, is plentiful. But notice too, they made little of the feast, the feast itself. 
You see, God celebrates his son. And many people say, well, I don't make light of the son, but, you know, this other stuff is really not that important to me. Uh, The cost of the celebration was the very life of his son. And he says, I want you to come celebrate this with me. I want you to come and rejoice in this with me. I want you to come and see how great this is. I want you to come and let's celebrate my son. Well, you know, I'm all for celebrating when they open up the Bible, but I really don't care about that music part. We're celebrating the son of God by singing his praises. How can we not get excited about Because we've made little of it. Doesn't matter that much to me. Eh, I come for the for the service part, but eh, you guys really got to study the Bible that much? Do we need Sunday school? Well, we've made little of it. We've made little of it. See, God desires to celebrate his son. And the invitation was sent out. And it was sent out to you. You. You were invited by the king. To celebrate his son. Why in the world would we not jump on this? I guarantee you there are some of us that would get more excited if we were invited to Buckingham Palace or to the White House than somebody inviting us to church to study the word of God. That's sad. That's sad. Someone would rather spend time with a politician than God. Beloved, I I want us to understand something with this. I want us to get this really, really clearly. Not only are we rejecting the sun, not only are we, we rejecting the feast or the celebration itself, but by making light of it, we are making little of the king. We make little of the king. See, all roads do not lead to God despite what many will want you to think. The only way to the king is through his son. And to reject his son is to reject the king. Jesus said it himself, if you reject me, you have rejected the father. What is it at this feast that is so wonderful that we would want to go? (laughs) Hope. Rest. Peace. Joy. Contentment. And a relationship, personal and intimate, with the king and his son. What else you want? What else you want? You see, the question may be, are you rejecting him from a salvation standpoint? But some have claimed that, well, they're not rejecting, uh, not rejecting the king. It's just not the king you have. Well, then, beloved, you're not in the same kingdom. The king that I serve is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And if that's not your king, you're not part of the kingdom. 
The king that I serve is the one who sent his only begotten son to die for you. And if that's not the king you serve, you're not in the same kingdom. And we've been looking at this whole idea of kingdom mentality. And this opportunity to come and worship God. Uh, Others claim that all roads lead to the same place, but I'm sorry, my friend. No, I'm not sorry. I'm going to proclaim it unapologetically. All roads don't lead to God. They didn't just make little of the sun or the feast or even the king. But they made little of the servants. Now this is one that we, eh, it's not a big deal. But I want you to understand, by rejecting the messengers, they rejected the one who sent the messengers. In my life verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6, we preach not ourselves, but Christ. What do you do with him? I'm not worried about what you do with me. I'm inconsequential. What are you doing with him? I can tell you right now, John and Troy, they're, you know, they're not going to have their hearts broken because you don't come to their Sunday school. But I can tell you this, I know both of these men well enough to know that they want more for you They want you to understand this book better. They want you to understand more about the God of this book. They're not going to go home and cry because you didn't come to their Sunday school. Woe is me, I am undone. But they are going to go home and wonder, does anybody want to know about the God that we love? The servants of the king were bringing these people a message. And they made light of him. See, as preachers and teachers, we're not trying to get people to come to us. But we're trying to get them to go to him. We're inviting people to come to his celebration. We're inviting people, not for our own benefit. We're inviting people to come learn about him. I went to a camp once, took a a group of kids to a camp. And um, the speaker that was at this camp, can I be fleshly with you for a minute? This guy was a jerk. I mean, he just was. I mean, to talk to him, he he, he was a jerk. I didn't like the way he talked to his wife. I didn't like the way he treated some of the people. And he was like, he was better. And I, I sat there and maybe it was just me. I don't know. But I'd I'd sit sit there and I'd be watching this guy thinking to myself, what in the world is wrong with this picture? He's supposed to feed us spiritually? And I remember going to one of the chapel sessions and I'm sitting there just thinking to myself, what are these kids and these workers, what are they learning? And he started to go into the word of God and God went, you ever ever have one of those dads? My dad had had a flick. Man, he could knock the eyeballs out of you. You'd catch the back of your head, and you'd have to catch your eye and put it back in. One of those, you know. And the Lord just kind of flicked me in the back of my head and said, Son, my word's being preached. I don't care what you think about that guy. Listen. Listen. 
That message spoke to me. It spoke in a way that I wasn't expecting. See, I've come to grips with the truth that when people don't respond, it's, it's not the messenger they're rejecting. It's the message they're rejecting. They may think they're rejecting the messenger, but at the end of the day, I'm just sent by God. These men, Miss Karen with her kids, Miss Jessie and the group up top, they're sent by God to invite. Are you responding to that invitation? Or are you making little of it? Let's think for just a minute on those who accept. And notice, lest there, <clears throat> uh, there were those who accepted the invitation, that, 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 that there were those who accepted the invitation, many came and filled the palace. I want you to notice what it says there in verse 10. So those servants went out into the highways, gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw that there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Now, I want you to note that all these people, the, the servants went out and they said, well, if they don't want the, uh, the invitation, that's fine. We're going to go invite other people. They started to fill up the house. And there was a guy, when the king comes in, he's like, oh, wow, good to have you here. And he's making his way through and, and he's shaking hands and he's thanking the people for coming. And he comes up on this one guy and he's going, um, he doesn't have a wedding garment on. Why are you here without a wedding garment? Now, we can go into the history of the wedding garment. The wedding garment was, was what you were to wear, and typically it was furnished by the host. The host would have furnished this wedding garment, and it was a way for you to come in, and it was a celebration, so it's similar in our modern day uh, uh, weddings, you know, the bride will pick her colors and she wants all the party, all the wedding party to wear purple. And we've got all the wedding party wearing purple. My wife chose pink. For the other guys, I got away with a white one. All the other guys had to wear pink and my buddies were just looking at me, come on, Andy, really? I'm like, dude, I'm just marrying her. I don't care what you're wearing. I really don't care. So the wedding garment, this guy shows up and he doesn't have a wedding garment. You know what that, in, what that indicates? It indicates that, number one, he really came in on his own merit. He didn't come in and make sure that he had the right attire on. He didn't go home, get cleaned up. He didn't go through all the processes. He didn't want to do it the way that was set up. He, he might have even shown up and the guy says, here, I have the wedding garment for you to wear. You can wear this. And he's like... Nah, I'm good. I got my own jacket. I'm comfortable. Yeah, everybody in the wedding party except for this one guy wearing a powder blue leisure suit, right? That's what it was. He says, I'm going to do it my way. But there's a word that's used here that I think sometimes gets misunderstood. Notice what it says. Verse 12, he said, friend. And I love that. I love that. The gentleness of our Lord. Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. 
We look at this word speechless and we think that it means he, he couldn't say anything. Uh, the word actually carries with it the idea he didn't want to say anything. You ever have one of those? You get that sometimes when you're talking to a teenager. It's like, why did you do this? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. What is that, Greek? Uh -huh. Jeff Allen says that teenagers are God's way of teaching us what it's like to have something made in our image deny our existence. Uh -huh. Get one of those sometimes. That was the attitude of the guy. How did you get in here without a wedding garment? Uh -huh. I didn't go and dignify that. I don't care. I'm here for the free food. Yeah. Just here for the food. Just here for the grub. I had a buddy like that back when I was single. Yeah, I'd say, well, what were you into this week? Went to a wedding. Oh, who got married? I don't know. Why'd you go? It was food. And he would do that. You know, there's a lot of people, they really don't care about the king. They really don't care about the son. They really don't care about the celebration. They just want the free food. Get out. That's what the king said. Get out. He's not here for my son. He's not here to celebrate. Get out. Sadly, there are many who approach the things of God this way. They profess Christ as Savior so that they can go to heaven. Beloved, Jesus is the reason for the celebration. No other reason. No other reason needed. I want us to understand that the invitation is sent out, but there are still requirements. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, deny yourself. Repent. Turn from and turn to. Call on me. Trust in me. There's still requirement. This is not working for our salvation. This is accepting it on his terms. Paul wrote it this way. He said, there's none that seeks after God. A lot of people want the effects of God, want the blessings of God, but they don't really want God. They just want to show up for the free food and the party. But we were not invited for free food and the party. We were invited to celebrate the Son. So, what is this invitation? And how in the world, preacher, you said you were going to connect these things with 15 through 22. Oh, I am. I am. Look back at the original text with me, and Jesus is being questioned. Verse 17, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? He says in verse 19, show me the tribute money. Then he said, whose image and subscription, superscription is on it? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Genesis teaches us something about this. He says, whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Whose image are you made in? 
his. God said, let us make man in our image. Therefore, render unto God the things that are God's. It's not about paying taxes. It's about if you are a child of the king, give him what is his. If you're not going to give him what's his, you can't call yourself a child of the king. Somebody may be asking, going back to the original question, am I making little of the call of God in my life? Am I making light of this? Well, how do I do that? How do I know if I'm making light? Well, are you hearing the word of God but not obeying it? We do this, we hear it, but we don't apply it to our life. Yeah, I know you preached a couple weeks ago on forgiveness, but I'm still holding on to that grudge. You're making little of the call of God on your life to forgive. We quickly move on. We hear what God has to say. We hear that, but then we quickly move away from it and just kind of move on from that in our life. We just kind of go by it. We don't let the word of God, the effect that it had on us. You've done it and I've done it. We sit in there and we feel that burning in our heart. And this is, I'm going to apply this to my life. But then as soon as we get out, we turn the radio on and we just move on. Because we make little, make light of him. We add to his word. This is the third way. We hear the word of God and then we start to add things to it. Like, well, I know the Bible says this, but this guy over here says this. We got to find a happy medium. Well, I know the word of God says this, but that was for a different day. And today it should probably read this way. And we start to add things to it, right? Well, I know God's word says thou shalt not, but I just really like this person. And even though they shout, I'm going to like them and, 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 and put my stamp of approval on that instead of this. We add to it. I had one girl one time tell me, well, my sister can't be wrong. So your sister knows more than the Word of God does. Okay. Another way is we pretend our Christianity so that others can see it. I'm here, preacher, because I know if I'm not here, people are going to think that I'm not a Christian. But right now I'm checking the stats in my mind. And I, I, I've got my Bible right here. And from time to time, I swipe up, swipe over to check my Facebook feed, see what the scores are. I'm really not here. I'm not here. But I'm here. Because I'm a Christian. Doesn't work that way. We make little of him when we value other things more than him. We value other things as higher than him. We do this in so many ways. So many ways. So ask yourself, are you making light of the invitation to celebrate him in worship? Are you making light of the, uh, of the offer to fellowship with the king and the son through devotions maybe in prayer? Are you making light of his messengers I'm not even going to ask 
But I was blessed beyond words to find out that the first couple weeks of Sunday school, there was like 50 and 30, something like that. I have no idea how many came today. I purposely didn't go up there so that nobody could say I was beating anybody up. I'm not trying to be mean. Is it important to us? Are you making light of the meal that has been prepared for you? By making much of his call, we as a church can ensure that we will never make light of Jesus. We who claim to be citizens of God must realize the privilege of being invited to the supper. Do we dare make light of him? How dare we say we love him and treat him so? So what was the invitation to come to? What was the invitation to come to? Well, (laughs) we've been invited to come to Jesus. Jesus is the one calling us. Are you hurting? You struggling to make it through this week? Come to Jesus. You broken over something? Come to Jesus. That's the invitation. Leave everything else behind. The regrets of the life that you used to live, the regrets of the life that you lived this week, all the mistakes that you've made. Beloved, I've made many mistakes. Leave them behind. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, not looking at the mistakes that we've made, not looking at the failures, not looking at the successes, not looking at other people, looking unto him. Jesus is calling. That's the call this morning. Do you know him as Savior? Jesus is calling. Do you worship him as Lord? Jesus is calling. Has your Bible study started to wane? Jesus is calling. Is your prayer life getting weaker? Jesus is calling. Is there something you've been disobedient toward and he's been trying to get you to start to obey? Jesus is calling. Will you come? Will you accept his invitation? Father, thank you that you extended the invitation beyond the nobility, beyond those who were, uh, who were the good. But you extended the invitation to even the lowest of the low. And Father, that's where you found me. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you you extended that invitation. You sent a messenger out to to knock on my door, uh, to tell me about the uh, opportunity to come celebrate the Son of God. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that not only did I get the invitation, but it came at the right time where I was willing to humble myself and hit my knees and accept the invitation. Thank you, Father, for continuously sending invitations to a closer walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Father, would you help us this morning as we enter into this time of the service where we obey you. Where the call that you have put on our heart this morning, where we put feet to it, where we act on it. 
that we won't be guilty of getting in the car and making little of what you have tried to do in our heart this morning and forget about it. God, help us. Help us to submit to you. Help us to follow you. Help us to trust you, knowing that you're trying to build in us something bigger, something better, something more grand. When we don't understand, increase our faith. We'll be careful to praise you for it. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.